Alternative Radio. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and this is Stranger Than. We're going to do what we always do. We're going to tell you about some stuff. Uh, last time, I was unable to get to an article about Excalibur, and so I guess we're going to start off with that. You know, Excalibur being the sword of King Arthur. If you remember, I talked about Merlin last time. This is an article from the Herald Dispatch by Derek Coleman. The real Excalibur could be in Italy. This was uh, May 4th, 2022. I guess most people know something about the legend of King Arthur. It's been told and retold for almost a thousand years, and there are numerous books and movies based on it. It's a good story, and had its beginnings in English and Welsh folktale. These say that Arthur was supposed to have been a British warrior leader who fought against Saxon invaders in the 5th or 6th centuries with the earliest mention of him coming from Welsh and Britain poems and stories. A man called Geoffrey of Monmouth first depicted him as a king of Britain in the 12th century, and in his tale he included Uther Pendragon, Arthur's father, Merlin and Guinevere, the king's wife. It was a French writer, Crayon de Troyes, who added Lancelot and the quest for the Holy Grail to the story. Of course, part of every story about Arthur and his knights of the round table is the tale of how he became king in the first place. There are various versions, but the most common one says that the sword, Excalibur, appeared in an anvil on a rock, perhaps in London or southeast England. Londonium, probably back then, really. Merlin is said to have foretold that the sword could only be drawn by the true king of all England. And many knights and nobles tried to free it, but all failed. Then came Arthur, a mere squire to Sir Kay, or Sir, Sir Kai, and he drew it easily to become king. It is a typical folktale involving elements of magic and divine intervention. But what if I told you that the story may actually be based on a true sword in a stone? A sword that still exists, and that comes not from Britain, but from faraway Italy. Once again, the story is from the 12th century. It involves a man called Galgano Giudati, who is born in the small Tuscan town of Chirusdino, sometime in the year 1148. His father was Guido Giudati, and he was of noble birth. This was a time when there was a lot of small city-states in Europe, and they were always fighting each other. As the son of a noble, Galgano trained in the use of weapons from an early age and grew up to be a soldier. He became a knight, and it seems he was an arrogant and ruthless warrior with a vicious temper who led a worldly life until he was 32 years old. It was then that he, that he had a dream in which the archangel Michael is said to have appeared to him. The angel apparently told Gal Galgano to follow him and promised to show the knight the way to God. Galgano was a brave man, and in his dream, he followed the angel along a steep and treacherous path until they reached a place called Monte Siepi. There, they stopped near a circular church, outside of which he found the twelve apostles were gathered. They told him he needed to give up his wicked ways, but after he awoke, Galgano dismissed the vision as just a dream. A few days later, however, his horse reared and threw him, and the legend says as he lay on the ground, he felt as if he was being lifted up and transported back to Monte Siepi. There he again saw the round church and the apostles, this time with Jesus and his mother Mary also there. A voice told Golgano that he had to give up all worldly pleasures. There are two versions of what happened next. In the first, Golgano replied to the voice that giving up all his pleasures would be harder than splitting rocks with a sword. To prove his point, he drew his sword and hit the nearest rock. 
To his astonishment, the sword plunged straight into the rock and stayed there. The second version says that Galgano was convinced by the voice, and to show his new belief, he wanted to make a cross, but he had no wood. So he drew his sword and tried to push it into the rocky ground. Once again, it hit a rock, went straight into it, and stayed there with the hilt forming a cross. Whichever version you favor, it is said that no one could remove the sword and that Galgano never left the mountain again. He gave up everything, lived the rest of his life as a hermit, and died in the year 1181. Three years later, a round chapel was built over his grave. Large numbers of pilgrims began to come and miracles were claimed. Cistercian monks came to the mountain and, by the year 1220, they had built San Galgano Abbey on the slopes below his resting place. He was recognized as a saint, and the ruins of his chapel are still there on the mountain. The abbey built by the Cistercians is now ruined too, but set in the floor of the rotunda at Monte Siepi, protected by armored glass, there is a sharp rock, and sticking out of it is the handle and the first few inches of a sword. Over the centuries, the skeptical have dismissed the sword in the stone as a fake, manufactured perhaps by the monks, in order to lure pilgrims to the shrine in the hopes of receiving donations. You may agree with this, but in 2001, Luigi Garlicelli, a researcher from the Department of Geology at the University of Padua, tested the sword. His report confirmed that it is a complete blade, with the lower part hidden inside the stone. It is of a style that was common in the early 12th century, and the metal was tested and proved to be from that era. What? So the sword in the stone is, like, real? Yeah, the fucking sword in the stone is real. It's just in Italy and not in England, which has nicer oh. weather anyway. Yeah, definitely. Better food. <laughs> Ground-penetrating radar was used and revealed that beneath the stone there is a cavity that is about the right size for a grave. The story of St. Gagano would have spread rapidly among the religious communities in early medieval Europe. It is said to have occurred around the time that the tales of King Arthur were being written, and so it is possible that, hearing about it, the Med writing the tales of King Arthur adapted it and absorbed it into the legend. If so, that could mean that Excalibur is still there, stuck in a rock on an Italian hillside, just waiting for a hero to draw it from the stone. So that's pretty cool. I mean, sword of stone, you don't see cool. that every day? No. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's pretty good stuff. It is good stuff. I don't know if, uh, I mean, it's not the Lady of the Lake. Not, you know, it's not the King of All Britons, I don't think, because it's in Italy. But, I mean, you know, I can see that it, I mean, I can see how it would be fine to be in Italy. I mean, that was where Rome was. So, like, yeah, why not? You know, I've got another quick thing to read because we are talking about swords. This is an article from Forbes. I think it's an old article. Yeah, this is from March 4th, 2014. Man stabbed with replica Zelda Master Sword in serious condition. Maybe video games do cause real-world violence. I know that's a, a position I've argued against time and time again. But sometimes you hear a story and you have to concede that without video games, this particular violent act would not have been committed. Like this story, a man stabbed repeatedly with a replica of Link's Master Sword during a domestic dispute. Without Nintendo's ahem, ultra-violent, that's in quotes, Zelda games, there never would have been a replica made of Link's blade to begin with, and this man would not be in the hospital, or at least not in the hospital, suffering from sword replica wounds. According to the website Click to Houston, 
A man named Eugene Thompson was arguing with his girlfriend when she called her estranged husband over. When the said estranged husband arrived, the, a woman let him in, and he began chasing Thompson, who defended himself with the aforementioned replica sword. The husband apparently ran into the blade, was thrown out of the house, and then came back in swinging. Deputies said two, the two men fought over the sword, and in the scuffle, the estranged husband was stabbed, once in the chest and once in the leg. The news site reports, Thompson said the man grabbed a flower pot from outside and smashed it over his head. Now, that's funny because in Zelda, you pick up and smash pots all the time. That's like, that's like kind of a meme within the game. It's like you're always picking up pots and throwing them. You get shit out of them. Right. That's like the stuff that like, you know, Mario does with like, you know, like getting the mushroom and growing big or A little whatever. bit, except it's in yeah. Zelda, it's literally pots that you pick up and you can throw at enemies and shit. Mm -hmm. So it's really funny that he grabbed a flower pot and smashed it over the guy's head. <laughs> you know, I have to say, this is the first time I've ever heard of uh, Zelda being uh, described as ultra-violent. I mean, I know violent. I know that it was in quotations, but still, it's just like, mm. Yeah, it was, it was a joke because, yeah, it's, it's not a violent game at all. <laughs> I mean, you're fighting with a sword, but there's, like, there's no blood, and it's all monsters, and they just kind of explode. It's not a big deal. There is serious irony in the breaking of a clay pot during an altercation with Link's sword, though I suspect it was lost on the combatants at the time. Thompson apparently only needed stitches after the brawl, while the estranged, estranged husband is in serious condition at a local hospital. On the bright side, the girlfriend was not kidnapped by Ganon. This may be the darker side of cosplaying. Even, repl even replica swords can do some real damage, it turns out. I recommend sticking with Zelda video games and not stabbing people in real life whenever possible. I I have to say that's good advice. It does sound like good advice to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you have to tell us about today, Joanna? Do you got swords? Stuff about swords? Probably. Uh, there are no swords involved in my tale. I am going to be talking about another uh, maniacal letter writer. Oh, that's right. If you remember the... Uh, our last episode, we just I discussed the uh, Circleville letter writer. This one is the story of the Watcher. The story of the Watcher. Yes, and I think the Watcher is definitely more of a like a sinister moniker than the Circleville letter writer. Although, yeah, I would have to agree with you there. Although the Circleville letter writer was. You know, definitely a maniacal type person that caused a lot of damage. Um, and they were a watcher. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely a fucking watcher. That is for sure. Yeah. That is for sure. But, you know, it's it's all in the name. It's all in the name. And uh, it's true. It's very true. I feel like at this point, like Circleville Letter Writer, just, I mean, that sounds like somebody, if you're like running for like the local like city council or something, it's like, oh, <laughs> you, you, you got to get a hold of the Circleville letter writer, you know, and get that campaign going. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like, yeah, totally. It sounds like some like <laughs> someone who lives in their parents' basement and just like does dumb stuff like that. Right. Not causing all the mayhem that the Circleville letter writer actually caused. Yes. Well, for my story of the Watcher, my sources are allthatisinteresting.com, patch.com, members.huntakiller.com, the YouTube show BuzzFeed Unsolved, 
with Shane and Ryan. Love those guys. Yeah, I've seen that show before. It's a good mm-hmm. show. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> www.nj.com. And finally, sites.psu.edu. Well, to quote an article from allthatisinteresting.com, before they bought what's now known as the Watcher House in 2014, the Broadduses were a fairly average suburban family. Maria Broaddus had grown up in Westville, New Jersey, just blocks away from the house at 657 Boulevard. Located about 45 minutes from New York City, the town of Westfield is a sleepy suburb where the biggest gossip before the Watcher came onto the scene was the collapse of a local Trader Joe's roof. Oof. Well, <laughs> that's not altogether true. In 1970, Westfield was made notorious by a man named John List, who murdered his wife, mother, and three children in their Westfield home. Jesus. Do you remember the Unsolved Mysteries about John List? I don't. I almost wonder if it was like their very first episode. Just because you've seen it so many times? I've seen it so many times and I remember it so many times. And they eventually caught John List because of Unsolved Mysteries. And that's why they had like 750 seasons. <laughs> right. Yeah. It he was successful. It, yeah. He was a Unsolved Mysteries success story. So yeah, in 2014, Maria and Derek Broaddus purchased this house at 657 Boulevard, and it's a beautiful house, and they plan to move in there with their three children. It, they bought it for $1.3 million. Jesus. Yeah, but it was like, it's, it was built in 1905, had six bedrooms, oh. it, was, it was gorgeous. It's a fucking gorgeous house. Big-ass house. Yeah, big-ass house and just that uh, classic uh, turn-of-the-20th-century architecture. I mean, I I love houses built from that era. I live in a house built in that era now, and despite all of its problems <laughs> that it like tends it. to have, I still love it. But I love my little 1928 bungalow. It's just adorable and has all these neat features and all the the houses on my street that are all built between like you know like 1880s and 1930 they they're all different like they're all different different and it's not just like a fucking cookie cutter or Uh uh-huh yeah 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 i just i i love them all it's it's a wonderful wonderful place to live and i'm sure that this was uh the broadest's dream house was this uh beautiful Six bedroom, essentially like mansion house. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> 45 minutes from New York City. Uh, that's where Derek worked. He had kind of worked his way up to be like uh, like a senior vice president at like a marketing company or some, something like that. So, yeah, they are all set and ready to move in. They were just going to make a few renovations. I mean, imagine being able to buy a $1.3 million house and be like, oh, well, before we even move, we're going to, like, give the place, yeah. a like, a facelift here. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> sounds rough. Yeah. But yeah, like, okay, I have, like, no appliances and, like, no fucking furniture. <laughs> just, like, having money. You're like, oh, no, it's cool. Yeah. Well... Within a few days of closing in June of 2014, Derek Broaddus was over at the house and just kind of surveying the place and deciding what, what they were going to do as far as like the upcoming re- renovations prior to their move-in. 
what kind of fancy stuff they want to have installed. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, he goes uh, to the mailbox and just happens to open it, and sure enough, wouldn't you know, there is a letter inside. Which, actually, that's, uh, that is a fairly common occurrence. Yeah, although they hadn't, like, officially even moved there or changed their address yet or anything, but, you know, I mean... Ah, but still, I mean, you know, you get a letter. Junk mail exists. Yeah. There's, yeah. Inside the mailbox, there was a white envelope, and in thick handwriting, uh, it said, To the new owner. Derek went on to read the letter, and it read as follows. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with, it, with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Who am I? There are hundreds and there are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. I asked the Woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. Now, the Woods here that is referenced would be the previous owner, John and Andrea Woods. Not the actual forest. Not the forest, yeah. Yeah. We're not getting into, like, the Watcher in the Woods. No. That's a different Watcher. Yes, entirely. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think that there are three that I have counted. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. The letter was typed, and the signature was also typed, but for the signature, they used, like, a cursive font. <laughs> yeah, like italics or whatever. Uh-huh, and it was just signed, The Watcher. The Watcher. Well, obviously, this uh, put the broadest off just a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would uh, not be, I wouldn't be cool with that. I'd be like, fuck, no. <laughs> no. It's not. It's not good at all. Yeah, this is that not a very welcoming letter. I no, have to I say, would definitely be getting some serious surveillance on my house. Well, like, since the letter mentioned the previous owners, they went and reached out to, uh, to John and Andrea Woods and said, "Hey, what's, what's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> Right. And they're like, oh, that does sound familiar. They said, like, apparently they lived there, the Woods lived there for 23 years and never got any weird, creepy letters or had anything crazy go on at the house until just a few weeks before they moved out when they did receive 
a letter where somebody said that they were the watcher and they couldn't even really remember what it was because it was just, they just thought it was like a hoax and they just crumpled it up and threw away. So except for this one time where they did receive a creepy letter shortly before moving. Who the fuck is just like, this is weird. I'm getting rid of it. That's fucking weird. Like, I, I don't want to know those kinds of people because like, why? You're not like looking into it. Like, this is really strange and a little bit creepy because of what this is. Like, this is, there's someone watching our house. They have been watching our house. Not just like, ah. Oh, Fucking spam and throw it away. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the Woods and the Brosses went to the police with the letter, and the police advised both couples to not say anything to anyone else, especially the neighbors, concerning the letter, since all the neighbors were kind of, like, now suspects. Yeah. There wasn't, like, a stamp on it. It was just put in the letter in the mailbox just in the mailbox it was just left it was just left in their box yeah as far as i know i think that there there will be four letters total and uh some sources mentioned them being mailed through kearney so it is possible that okay it was sent through the mail but certainly no return address i mean (laughs) i would just be obviously the watcher wants to remain anonymous (laughs) yeah thinking Now, the second letter from the Watcher arrived two weeks after the first. This time, it was addressed to the Broadduses by name, and it listed their three children by birth order and also uh, their nicknames. So, yeah, awesome. Mm -hmm. And in the letter, it mentioned one of their daughters painting at an easel that had been set up on a back porch, which would not have been. You couldn't have seen it from the street, so you had to have been, like, really close to the house to have seen it. Yeah, yeah. And the letter asks if, like, she's the artist of the family. The letter goes on to say, The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought me. You certainly say their names often. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Braddis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Yeah, that's fucking creepy. Yeah, and kind of this at this point, the Broadus family is like, I am not bringing, we are not bringing our children over here anymore. Yeah, and they kind of halt their plans to move in and decide to kind of just like 
uh, just take just take a beat and try and figure out what to do next. Right, because it's uh, you can't move into some place that's just like not safe at all. <laughs> right, like you know, like let's break our young children here because like there's this person who's just like dying for their the, the young their young blood to be like running through the house and wants Whatever to know the where fuck they sleep. That means. I know, like what the fuck? Did you bring the young blood to me? <laughs> just some fucking uh, freak. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, several weeks later, they received another letter. Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. In this letter, he also, the, or he or she, claimed to uh, talk about memories of roaming the halls of the house uh, decades ago and was critical of the... Uh, renovations going on at the house saying, quote, the house was crying from all the pain that it is going through, end quote. And, quote, now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again, end quote. Well, at that point, Brada's family is like, yeah, I think I've had enough. We should sell the house. <laughs> yeah. This doesn't seem like very much of a home. Right, like maybe this, this this doesn't seem to be like the dream home that we imagined it to no, be. No, more of like a nightmare scenario. Right, like we didn't know this ha- house came with a fucking watcher. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. Fuck. Well, around six months after receiving the first love letter, they put the house back on the market. Unfortunately, uh, people, despite the fact that they had been told to keep it quiet, people just you know. The rumors started flying about the Watcher letters, and then yeah. I think the uh, broadest family themselves, any potential buyers, they felt they had to disclose the letters oh, well, and say, like, pretty... uh, yeah, unfortunately, like, the, the house has a Watcher, and, um, you know, you might get some creepy letters from time to time. Do you have young blood? Because, like, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. Like, maybe you'll be okay if you don't have any young blood running through the house. Like, yeah. he seems to really, he or she really seems to, like, crave that. Yeah, they seem to be really into the, the young blood. <laughs> yes. So, all potential buyers, everything just, everything would just kind of fall through. And yeah, because, like, with the six-bedroom yeah. house, it's probably mostly going to be families trying to buy it. Mm-hmm. Because, like... Yeah. I mean, maybe occasionally just some single person, but the, for the most part, it's going to be families. Yeah, occasionally if it's some, like, you find, like, the really, like, you know, odd situation where it's just somebody who, like, has, like, a shit ton of money and wants, like, a really big house, like, even yeah. though they don't I got a bunch to, like, of stuff, and so I have yeah. to put... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eventually, the Broadduses will file, would file a lawsuit against the Woods family for not disclosing the letter that they had received uh, shortly yeah. be- before they sold the home. Um, but that was eventually thrown out by a judge a couple years later because he didn't want to set the president on, you know, what sellers have to disclose. Yeah, yeah. To potential and also, buyers. if they just got a letter and they're like, oh yeah, it said some weird shit, but you don't actually have the letter, then I mean, you can't really... Right. It's pretty, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would be pissed too. I'd be like, I can't believe, like, you motherfuckers didn't tell us. Like, we tell everybody we can't sell this fucking house because of it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could have, like, uh, let me know that there was, like, a, a you know, fucking weird... watcher. Yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, the Broadduses did everything under the sun they could to try and find the identity of the watcher. Yeah. 
They employed a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood. They hired a former FBI agent, uh, actually two FBI agents, to uh, like do a profile on the letter writer. And yeah, I mean, they just really went all out. They spent about a hundred thousand dollars in. Wow. <laughs> like just investigative in, like, stuff. Yeah, in, in investigative stuff just to try and find out like who the fuck this letter writer watcher person fucking was. I fucking get it. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and in the meantime, they had to move in with Maria's parents because they didn't have their old house anymore. They were still having to pay the mortgage on the new house they did eventually find somebody to rent the new house but the what they rented it for was not even covering their mortgage payment yeah. so they're out they're out all the money on the renovations they're having to cover the more you know this difference in the mortgage payment and then pay all these by private investigators and consultants uh, to try and figure out like who the fuck is sending these goddamn letters that's making yeah. it so they can't sell it they, they can't live in their house and they can't sell it either now, one of the FBI agents that they hired, uh, his name was Robert Linehan, and he did the threat assessment on the letters. His analysis showed that the writer was likely an older person based on the vocabulary and their habit of double spacing after a period. He concluded that the letter writer didn't appear overly threatening, but their obviously, er obviously erratic thoughts could suggest unpredictability. They also... Um, seem to have a real problem with, like, wealth, too. Because, yeah, they, they mentioned greed. greed. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. One of the early suspects was the neighbors to uh, the Bratises. So next door uh, lived a guy named Michael Langford, and he lived with his 93-year-old mother next door. He was in his 60s, and his mother's 93. His sister also lives there and it was thought that if it wasn't michael who i guess uh was schizophrenic um kind of had a, a history of creeping out people in the neighborhood because he would like come into their yards and like peek through their windows so yeah yeah shit yeah. that you know is frowned upon in most places. right yeah like i had like boundary issues and tended to well you know like watch people in their houses <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> So it seemed like a probable suspect. Also, his sister, Abby, was a real estate agent, and it was thought that maybe she was the letter writer because they did a DNA profile on some of the DNA found on the letters, like the seal of the letters, oh, and yeah. it came back that it was female DNA. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it could well have been a woman. Mm-hmm. So the sister also lived lived with the you know the brother and the mom, and she was a real estate agent. And it was thought that maybe uh, she was miffed that when the Woods put the house up for sale, that they didn't uh, hire her as like the oh, listing agent. Because right. I mean, one point three million dollar house is going to net you a nice commission. It's be, yeah, a pretty pretty good commission. Yeah, definitely. So they thought that, uh, you know, the theory was is that maybe she was just trying to, like, make it, you know, tie everything up and make um, the Broadduses want to move out again. And, and perhaps when they did want to finally, like, uh, relist the house and not live there after all, like, they would, like, look to their, like, friendly neighbor <laughs> 
to uh, relist the house, but instead like it just got out of control, and then the house became unviable, and then they became suspects. <laughs> yeah, and shit got real out of hand. Yeah, shit did get real out of hand. Even though the Langfords were strong suspects, the DNA evidence did rule them out because <laughs> further testing showed that Abby, the, the, the female DNA, did not match Abby Langford. And it didn't match Maria Broadus either because, believe it or not, they were actually considered suspects of uh, creating the whole thing themselves in order oh, yeah. to get out of uh, purchasing this home that, you know, they had kind of just. They'd reached a little bit too far as far as the costs went. But that theory just didn't really make sense at all to me because, like, okay, if you did kind of get financially in over your head, um, why would you create something that would just basically make nobody want to buy your fucking house? Right. And why would you? And and if you were just trying to. It seems like you could just turn around and resell it. Yeah, and not tell. Yeah, and not tell people that about this crazy right. thing. So yeah, that seems yeah. like a dumb theory. It did seem like a dumb theory, and then DNA uh, excluded Maria Broadus as yeah. you know the the person who left the DNA. So that didn't really pan out. Well, the Broaduses decided that they would try another. Uh, way of doing things. Instead of trying to sell the house, they proposed to have the house demolished and two other houses built on the lot. And then perhaps they, you know, could get it sold that way. If they sold it to a developer who would be able to demolish it and then put two houses up, that might make it appealing and maybe they could get some of their money back. However, in order to do that, they had to um, get that approved through like the neighborhood uh, HOA or whatever. Yeah. And also probably just like the county and the city and everything. Well, the neighborhood board is the one who shut it down. They denied it because um, each plot would be three feet too small for the mandated size in the neighborhood. So it would just be three feet shy on each plot of, like, what, you know, the land size is supposed to be, like, per house. And that right. was the reason that they used to deny their application to to have it done. Furthermore, uh, several neighbors spoke up and said that they didn't like what was happening to the neighborhood and that, you know, such a beautiful home. Uh, one of them, including Abby Langford, was like, oh, like for all these years, I've had like a lovely view of a, of a beautiful house. And now I don't want to be seen like driveway and like, you know, some broken <laughs> up. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> I imagine uh, the Broadduses were pretty pissed off. Yeah. Um, to add insult to injury, uh, they had <laughs> the board had approved the splitting up of another lot that was, was like right around the corner from them, which actually required a larger exception than the three feet that the Broadduses had uh, requested. So <laughs> <laughs> they made a bigger allowance. For another person wanting mm. to demolish a house and split it into two properties, then they would for the Broadduses. They just shot them right down. They're just like, no, fuck you. <laughs> wow. Now, the families that spoke out against uh, them demolishing the house received some threatening letters of their own, which were 
uh, signed friends of the Baradas family. Now, <laughs> uh, those letters were actually traced back to Derek Baradas. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, clearly, I mean, the Watcher is very crafty, and nobody's been able to catch him or her, but, I mean, that even makes it more of a case that it wasn't the Broadus family doing these own letters, because the ones that they did try to send anonymously, they got caught, yeah. they got caught like, pretty quickly. Like, no, busted, this is yours, you dumb shit. Uh-huh. What are you trying to do? Yeah. Friends of the Broadus family, that's not a thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not nearly as snappy That's of a another title thing as a letter that you did as and your watcher. father did before you and his father before him. <laughs> right, that's all bullshit. <laughs> There's no legacy attached to this. <laughs> this hasn't been your job, your obsession, your life for right. two decades. It's fucking scary. <laughs> well, after their application um, to split the property was shot down, uh, the watcher sent a fourth letter to the couple. And, um, it, you know, the people that were renting the house are the ones who actually received it because they weren't living there, but, um, <laughs> they turned it over to Derek and the letter was addressed to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. Wow. Yes. Damn. Vile and spiteful and wench. Really? Mm-hmm. Something else. Really harsh, uh, ruffled the feathers of the yeah. letter writer there. I say. <laughs> <laughs> and the letter went as, the rest of the letter went as follows. You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiot. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. Jesus. Yeah, the Watcher is definitely getting a little full of themselves at this point. The, the Watcher sounds... He's getting real melodramatic. Yeah, it seems to be kind of have a kind of a Wizard of Oz feel to it, you know? <laughs> yeah, or like... The Watcher got his family to squirm, and now it's gone straight to their head. You know, all hail the great and powerful Watcher. And it's just like, whoa, I mean, really? Because... I, yeah. <laughs> it's, you at this point, that I... Would have really loved to their identify their identity to be re revealed so that the world could have seen like the pathetic, sad, lonely, bitter person behind these letters. That would be really funny. <laughs> All hail the Watcher! Give me a fucking break. <laughs> Seriously, that's crazy. <laughs> Probably everyone would point and laugh at the Watcher if they were ever exposed. Like that would be my guess. It's like, but, a, have you seen Grandma's Boy? Uh, I have not. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like JT from Grandma, or JP from Grandma's Boy. He's so, oh, just a real, he's a weirdo. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I imagine whoever the Watcher really is, is not the omnipotent, uh, you know. Probably dresses, probably dresses like he's in the Matrix. Oh, God. That's all I'm going to say on that, though, because, uh, you know, there's always a, pan a chance that this person is like the, the tooth fairy from 
red dragon. And, right. Uh, I really don't feel like getting strapped to a wheelchair and burnt alive after being forced to take back everything mean I just said about the fucking watcher. So yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. The letter continues on to like kind of uh, threaten if uh, they continue to try to, to you know split up the the house if they pursue it any further that there there was going to be consequences. Quote, maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet, loved ones suddenly die, planes and cars and bicycles crash, bones break. You are despised by the house and the watcher won. Crazy. You know, maybe it's the house writing these letters. Maybe it like, is. Like, maybe, like, a house on Haunted Hill type situation. Could be, could be. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever fully explored that. I don't think so, yeah. Maybe it's just a haunted house, and this is how it haunts people. It could be. It, it could very well be. Because, I mean, not only was there the financial loss, Maria was suffering from PTSD. Yeah. Obviously, Derek was feeling the the strain of it. He did. Uh, I mean, the the watcher mentioned the telescopes and the binoculars. He had also set up cameras everywhere, and he would yeah sit in the house in the dark, trying to like catch somebody like sitting outside the house. And right, just, but I, I mean, mean, just so much paranoia going yeah, on. Yeah, it'd be fucking um, terrible. It would be. It would be. Now they did find another. There was another sort of suspect when they were when they were surveilling the house. At some point, there was a car that pulled up and sat outside for a few minutes around eleven o'clock at night. And it turns out the car was registered to a woman whose boyfriend lived on the same block as Six Fifty Seven Boulevard. Um. She said that her boyfriend was really into gaming and he played some really like weird, violent video games. <laughs> Probably Zelda. <laughs> Probably Zelda. And uh, his his name, his uh, game name or whatever um, you call it, was was the Watcher. Interesting. Now they did ask the guy to come in for an interview, and he made two different appointments to come into the station to give an, a statement, but he didn't show up either time. But with like pretty much zero evidence like you know oh your girlfriend's car pulled up outside the house i mean that's like nothing there was nothing that they could do to compel him to come and talk to them yeah right so that never really panned out now this fourth letter would be the final one uh received by from the watcher to the broadest family eventually Pretty recently, like just a, a couple of years ago, the Broadus family did finally manage to sell the house. Oh, really? But uh, it sold for $956,000. And when you consider they bought it for they like $1.3 they took like yeah. a $400,000 loss, plus yeah. the renovations, plus all the money out of pocket that they paid to... Fuck all the private investigators trying to figure out who this person was and like their identity has never been revealed. And December, 2019 Netflix won the rights to the watcher story. Really? So you should stay tuned. To, uh, yeah. Uh, we'll probably far, see. Nothing like I a... have found online indicates that they have produced anything as of yet. Right. Right. But I am keeping my fucking eye out because, uh, yeah. 
It, it sounds like it would make a great little Netflix, uh, you know, limited series or whatever. Yeah, like they did with, uh, didn't they do it with, with, with Dahmer or something? Or is no, that just they, a movie? They've they done did? things with like a lot of things. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess they do <laughs> shit with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's some fucking creepy ass shit. It is some creepy ass shit. I would not, shit. I would not like that. this is one where it's just like, what the fucking fuck? Like, I wouldn't ooh. like that at all. Yeah. No. No. I wouldn't let, I mean, part of it is just kind of like, what is your, I mean, what is the deal with repeating the address like 85 million times? This is why I feel like it's the actual house doing it. <laughs> right. The house just likes to talk in the third person. Yeah, like it just doesn't even seem like a human being wrote it. Yeah, that shit's fucking wild. It it seems like a cartoon character did it or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a fucking, yeah. I'm not into it. I would it, it would it'd be so shitty just to like that's like oh such a, a they just like all of their security is taken away. Yeah, they can't stay in this house because they can't feel safe in the house. You can't bring your kids to some place that you know isn't safe to go to. Right, <laughs> right. Because imagine if you just dismissed it and then something terrible did happen. Yeah, like, you'd be like, you just don't want to take that chance. No, not right? at all. Shit's fucked up. It is fucked up. It's so fucked up. And it's amazing um, how much you can really fuck with a person's, like, life and livelihood. Yeah. Just by writing some letters. Yeah, yeah, seriously. So, yeah. Uh, and, and this was happened, like, so, this happened, like, really recently. Like, the Circleville letter writer, I mean, that was, like, back in, like, the 70s and 80s. Yeah, I mean, but this was, was, like, in 2014. This was, like, you know. Yes. It went but Eight years 2014 ago or to 2017 is when the letters were sent. So yeah. with all cool of the all. modern things uh, available to us, they still could not figure out who the fuck sent I mean, these I guess, letters. Yeah. If they get sent, then I guess there's no way you can really tell. I mean, because it's really easy to go to like a mailbox mm -hmm. anywhere and send it from anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not... Yeah, it's not a it's not a difficult thing as long as there's a stamp on it, they'll they'll, they'll take it wherever. Yeah, and you don't even have to lick stamps anymore. Like I'm surprised they even found any DNA because I don't think they found any fingerprints. At least it wasn't mentioned. Yeah, like, I just, would. You just purchase a pack of gloves, and, uh, and then you purchase a pack of envelopes, and you put on the gloves, and then you open the envelopes, and you just don't touch any of the paper that you use. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, not with your bare hands, at least. And then, uh, I mean, you can even like steal it with, you know, taper. You get like the gum sealed. Yeah, they just pull off the thing and pull off the thing. I'm surprised yeah. they found any DNA at all. And I almost, I mean, where I see the the letter could be like a woman. It could also be somebody that just used somebody else to like do it. Like you know, like oh, oh yeah, hey, yeah, totally. Like, uh, can you can you look can you seal this letter for me? Do me a favor and and seal this letter for me, and then I'll address it and send it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be easy. You enough. never know. It, it would it, be, it easy, would be enough. easy enough. I do feel like it might be an old person though, just because of how they talk and they write letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I feel like if it was someone younger, they'd be like sending anonymous emails or some shit like that. Yeah, Not although just, like, I don't know if anonymous emails are really like. I I feel like a letter is harder to trace than an email. Oh, I don't know. But I don't know. I'm not that tech savvy, so I'm not sure, like, how well you could do that. I would always feel like it could be traced back to you somehow, some way. Yeah, I mean, it Unless depends. you get, like, I'm a sure burner could... phone and you uh, use sure that you could... to set up an email account and then you use some 
uh, server, just some like random computer somewhere that's not tied to you in any way. I don't know. Go to a library. Go to a library, but I think nowadays though they make you like scan your library card and stuff oh, do they? To, like use the computers. Yeah, I, I feel like they they try. It's been a long time since I've been to a library, and even longer since I've used a computer at one. Well, I think people did that too much, and now they're like, now we're going to keep track of that a little bit better. Yeah, so yeah. Saying, like, oh well, who used this computer today? Let me see. Like, let me pull up the list of people who logged into the computer at this time. Library is like, yeah, we're not going to be like your freaking mecca for. <laughs> we're not liable for all your fucking kitty porn shit. Right. Yes. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, uh, that is a horrific story. Yeah, it certainly is. I'm, I'm glad my house doesn't have a washer. At least yeah, so me far. too. <laughs> and I think that's what all we got for you today. So uh, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, you can uh, check out the podcast syndicate we're a part of. Their webpage is ageofradio.com. And uh, there our little part, is, part of it is ageofradio.com slash stranger then, where you can listen to our podcasts if you wish. Uh, you can join our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash stranger than podcast, where for $1, you'll get a crisp pie five. For $2, you get ad-free regular episodes. And for $5 a month, you get, in addition to the ad-free episodes, also the bonus true crime episode where Jonah tells you awful things about awful people i do indeed uh, you can send us uh, an email stranger than podcast at gmail.com with any stories that you may have that you wish to share uh, you don't have to share it under your name by any means but they we'd like to have listeners stories we had one it was great we want more and with that i think we'll talk to you next time and stay strange Whoa.